Welcome to the Big MX Radio Arlington Triple Crown Supercross pregame show. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line from Race Tech, we have Checkers 448, otherwise known as the voice of Riesenberg. Chris Riesenberg, how's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, not going to lie. I was really, really amped for this show tonight because Denny has been arguing like crazy with me this morning, trying to get me all fired up on text. And unfortunately, about an hour ago, we found out he had some some personal issues that he needed to take care of. So it's just Brad and I tonight, which is is going to be a bummer because you have some really, really big shoes to fill, Brad, because you have to make a bunch of wrong predictions. Well, I can I can certainly live up to the the the, the fill those shoes uh, on his behalf tonight. Uh, yes, we are usually three musketeers, but unfortunately, it's just the two of us tonight but uh, it should still be a great show the uh, the two of us back and forth on a few things uh sometimes some things we see eye to eye on uh, a few things we do not which was uh, a hot topic in the the group chat today actually it would be half a decent show if i just came on here and uh, and read off the um just just read off the 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 group chat but we won't do that tonight but uh thanks to everybody who's watching right now watches throughout the show and whoever watches this in an archive as well these shows are a lot of fun and uh yeah well let's let's kick things straight off the hop with the uh the race tech rapid recap absolutely brad and um of course race tech gold valves for like 30 some years um longer than i've been born uh paul Thedes had race tech going and learning about suspension and teaching about suspension and dialing in suspension as well as engines and a ton of people are using them and more and more day in and day out there's guys that we can't talk about using the product um you'd be amazed at how many people that have have race tech stuff and settings and such going on in their motorcycles um, around the racetrack on saturday nights but also last week we ran a we ran a little contest talking about how do you fix the or what is the cause of the 250 Supercross guys constantly just going super fast but crashing? And we're going to do a giveaway for a prize pack from Race Tech. I will send you a message on Twitter as well afterwards to Live Free Moto, who said, over pushing everyone going for wins all the time when a second or podium is more effective towards the title run than falling and losing the points. Um, I absolutely agree that it's this winner crash mentality that guys seem to have and maybe just not being able to stay focused on on just finishing the race so um, good answer live free moto you will get hooked up with a race tech hat shirt um, maybe a certificate some stickers some cool stuff i will get you get with you and get an address and get that sent out but let's jump into the race tech rapid recap first cheesy headline of oakland tomac crushes alito and the competition um, we talked last week on the show um alito mac denny's um Kind of alter name, ego. I guess, alter ego for Eli when when Weird Eli comes out, I guess you could call him or whatever you want to call it, where he has off nights. Um, I still think that we find um, a little bit of that at some point. I do. I really think that that Eli comes back at some point this season. But holy crap, Eli squashed it on Saturday, although he dang near crashed on the last lap. Awesome performance from Eli Tomac um, in this title fight. Just man, it keeps on delivering with these three guys and these three storylines of, you know, Webb being the closer, Tomac being great at everything and Sexton being the fast one that can't keep it on two wheels. Uh, Super exciting. So um, the next one, Webb nearly guns down Tomac in Oakland. Obviously lots of uh, gunfire on the streets, but almost a little bit on the racetrack. Brad, what do you know? 
Yeah, it's not just the the fireworks going off. There usually is some live live ammunition going back and forth in Oakland. And uh, yeah, the bullets were flying certainly on and off the track. Um, Webb, I, I was I'm just forever impressed with his never say die approach to racing like there's there's a lot of reasons to not go after Eli that late in a race and the fact that when they came across the line Cooper Webb's hitting the finish line before Eli even hits the ground made up all kinds of time obviously Eli making a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes throughout the end of that race um added to um, maybe one of the most suspenseful moments of the the whole night, aside from uh, when uh, Chase Sexton, unfortunately threw it all away again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, I'm sure you were, you were just like I was waiting for that last lap for Webb to jump that quad over the table and hopefully get close enough to make some action in the last corner, but he just wasn't quite close enough, but it definitely made it exciting. Um, What maybe wasn't all that exciting was Jet flies past the competition to an easy win. Jet Lawrence is just a class above this 250 uh, West series right now. And especially because his two main competitors are just so sore. Right. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, the, 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 the series is depleted with injuries. Uh, obviously, Austin Forkner probably would have had something to say about this championship as well. He didn't make it to the first corner of the series, which is a huge bummer. And then, yeah, the two closest combatants are licking their wounds in, honestly, the worst way. And that's sort of uh, how you're that, that's how the, the championship is going to roll out. Uh, we're not going to really see Jet Lawrence have uh, a formidable uh, opponent until he faces off against his brother at uh, the first um east west showdown which happens to be at east rutherford new jersey if i'm not mistaken and that rolls straight into the next rapid recap uh it which is hampshire and mcadoo wash their wounds and the front ends en route to podium finishes and honestly like saying that either one of these guys is going to go down or wash the front end uh not surprising whatsoever uh like the it's, it's, it seems like for, for RJ, it's just a recurring theme. Um, McAdoo, he's cleaned it up more. I feel like he's probably, if they handed out a, a most improved award going back from three or four years ago, he certainly would be in the running for it. Um, but yeah, like not what you want to see. And uh, for those reasons, because of the the injuries they're dealing with and the mistakes they're making on the track, uh, they're neither one of them are able to really make a push for race wins uh, and challenge Jet. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, McAdoo didn't wash his front end, but I I definitely think that his injury is still holding him back a little bit. Big time. And he's not one to make excuses. He's just simply, he's going to go out there and race and do the best he can and, you know, at whatever pace he can. But you need to be 100% if you're going to beat Jet Lawrence right now. RJ, he was off to a lead. He had stretched it a little bit. You know, Jet was kind of letting the race settle in, I think. That's kind of what he's been doing this year, which is how he's trying to avoid some of those mistakes. I think it's really mature of him. And you know, RJ's sprinting away. Like you don't have to win by a mile, RJ, just win. So you have a little bit of a gap, ride smart, wait till jet gets on you and then use your energy to push and maybe rough him up a little bit and try to do something. But instead he pushes the front end all by himself with a little bit of a gap. And then he's, he's not going to run jet down and beat him. It's just not going to happen. Um, at least from what we've seen so far this year. Um, a lot of a lot of action from the gas gas riders this weekend. Um, you definitely can tell that they've been uh, riding together. Gas gas goes smash smash. Barsha and Brown bash bros in Oakland. So Barsha obviously puts uh, AC down on the ground. 
runs Nichols off the track on his way through. And holy crap, Pierce Brown. I mean, he was going fast, but he was running some some Barsha-like angles in on Cameron McAdoo and on Levi Kitchen. Um, and I mean, it, honestly, it cost him a potential podium because by pissing off McAdoo, McAdoo gave him a little brake check in the berm, put him on the ground, and he had to do all the work all over again. Uh, you just you don't need to piss off McAdoo. You could pass him clean. He was faster. He was clearly faster. Pierce Brown was ripping. Um, he, we finally saw some speed from him, which I did hear that, he, you know, he was fighting a little bit of a tailbone injury and, and whatnot from his Anaheim one crash. And so this was the first time he's really been healthy and at least the speed was back. But again, you guys, they got to settle down. It's, it's the same old story with all these guys in the 250 class. And I mean, it, it doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. Um, Speaking of the 250 class and Levi Kitchen, um, Styles Robertson goes out right before the race. So Levi Kitchen all by himself in the truck. A lonely chef chops through the competition. Kitchen gets four stars in Oakland. Fourth place finish from Kitchen. Um, he came up through the field as well, Brad, and looked pretty good doing it. What did you see? Honestly, I think the only thing that Kitchen really needs to work on in his young career so far in Supercross is starts. Uh, more often than not, he finds himself uh, on the outside looking in with the top five right off the hop. And those guys with the clean air really start to make some gap on him in those first at those first laps. Like um, being able to choose your line and, and move through is, is such an advantage. And he's not taking advantage of that just yet within his young career. But if he's able to switch things out, honestly, I think he's 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 going to be a threat every single weekend. But coming from ninth all the way to where he, was, he ended up being um is yeah like it's good for him to be able to get there but had he started better uh maybe he's not uh challenging jet for wins but he's uh certainly making a, a case for being a podium guy on a regular basis and uh yeah gotta be awfully lonely for him in the truck uh i thought that uh it, it was a huge bummer to have robinson out uh robertson out rather um like did, did he have a crash during uh during qualifying or was that a pre-existing issue from earlier in the week it was from uh, before it was from the week. He wasn't, it wasn't at the race. Yeah. Um, and actually I have been a terrible person at doing research on this. I have no idea what he even hurt or how long it is. Hopefully it's just for that one race. Um, and we five weeks now that well, yeah, they have a little bit of a break. And I mean, Robertson was really bouncing back this year and putting something together as was, I mean, Levi kitchen's really doing it. Like I, I can't stress enough how important it is for him to continue doing what he's doing as far as riding well, but more importantly, just staying on the track and getting a, the experience. Because I feel like coming into next year, he should be a guy that should be um, competing for multiple race wins and, you know, maybe a, an outside title favorite. And then in two years, I mean, I think he should be one of the title favorites if he can continue building in the direction that he's going. Um, he's an extremely talented rider. And I mean, we've seen flashes of this, but we hadn't seen it in Supercross just yet as far as putting it together. And he's finally putting some races together which is really nice to see. And he's doing the opposite of what those other guys are doing, which is go fast and crash, go fast and crash. Um, so I look forward to it. Very, very happy to see what we're seeing from Levi kitchen. Um, the future looks bright. Um, Time for the race tech rant. Oh yeah. Speaking of race tech and suspension rocks and switches, suspension companies coming into round two again. So we saw it after Anaheim one came in, switch suspension companies Everything was amazing. And then all of a sudden he throws factory connection under the bus, but says that he has faith in his team and that they will, that the factory connection guys, they'll figure it out for him. Well, that didn't last a whole week. And guess what? Roxon's on another different suspension company, which I guess props to the team for letting the guy switch up stuff. 
but he couldn't even double through the dang whoops this weekend. And you know what? It's not because his new suspension tuner doesn't know what he's doing. He's very, very capable. Um, I know a little bit about him. I think he's a great tuner, in fact. Um, but Roxon doesn't know what he's riding. He's constantly changing his motorcycle. I will tell this to the local sea rider at the track, and I damn well will tell this on a pro level. You need to build a relationship with your suspension tuner so that you guys can work in a direction and constantly make progress forward. What he's doing right now is he takes one step forward, but then he takes five back and starts all over again. It is ridiculous. He put them and the team in a terrible position coming into the season by playing musical bikes and boosting his Instagram and feeling all cool, playing his stupid games, running around the country. It's his fault that he didn't come into A1 on a motorcycle that was ready to go racing. And it's not even about it being a Suzuki, because guess what? If you look over, guess who's doing better and better and better? Shane McElrath is building slowly. He had the best week he's had all year. Also, we've heard Christian Craig. He's been struggling with his bike is what we've been hearing. Guess what? Every single weekend, he's getting better and better and better. Why? Because they're building and learning. They're not going backwards. They're not playing drama bullcrap games. And I am absolutely devastated for the guys over at Factory Connection who stuck their necks out to help Ken Roxton to be hey, I will come in. We didn't plan on this, but we will develop resources for you to help you out. And then not only more than a few weeks later, he's out talking crap about them, saying they don't know anything about his motorcycle. And then he just kicks them to the curb. Screw that, Ken Roxon. That is not okay at all. You need to find some loyalty. And yes, props to the team. But at some point, they need to put their foot down and say, Kenny, you're going in circles right now. We need to go forward. And right now, the only thing that's happening is his results are going backwards. Yeah, the German is clearly lost in the forest. Uh, I don't know where he's going next, but I can tell you that he is in fact lost. Um, it, it's just right now. It, it's not. It's it's getting worse. It's not getting better. Uh, and then uh, as the series goes on, with no the the no weeks off, obviously we're probably going to have like we had a one week off after the first round, but now we're gonna we're gonna go into a grind. They're like, and we've seen in the past that. Like it, it's this is not a a good thing for Ken Roxon. Uh, it's been an issue in the past, and on top of that, like one of the things that I often think about is the the fans' perspective of this sort of stuff. Because you and I, like within the industry, we watch the the promotional stuff, whether it's like World Supercross or Feld Supercross, uh, AMA Nationals. No matter what, I mean, sort of like see through the crap to just kind of like like see the forest for the trees and see what's fluff and what's not. Um, but a lot of fans aren't really able to distinguish those things because everything that they consume is all sort of like on one sort of level in the, to their own perception. So there's some fans out there that, that they don't understand the, the true impact of Ken Roxon not having that boot camp. Like the guy basically did not have a boot camp throughout the month of October, November leading into that. I think that is a huge linchpin to a lot of these guys' success, the mental and physical reset that allows them to attack Supercross. Um, when you're on a factory supported team, all the testing that you do in September and October, uh, even sometimes before that, uh, you're going to go and the, the team is going to go make you as many of those exotic one-of-a-kind parts that are can only be found on a factory motorcycle. Uh, he doesn't have any of those, I'd imagine. Uh, like He doesn't have that special sauce uh, that makes a factory bike is what it is, which honestly makes his heat race win ever that much more impressive. But 
reality is the substance isn't there when you just continuously switch things around and change suspension companies. He's going to be chasing his tail for the rest of this year. And honestly, I could see him getting super fed up with the whole deal and uh, and being on a different manufacturer come World Supercross and, and going to World Supercross and staying there because this is it's 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 starting to go bad and it's only in my opinion it's only going to get worse. Of course, sure, it's really hard to write that ship once it starts to go wrong. It's it's a momentum thing, and I mean we've seen it in the past with him. It's it's really hard for him to get it back, and the second half of seasons have not been friendly to him. And at some point, the expectation is that he's going to be able to be on the podium and winning races. And from himself and the team, I would assume they're not doing this, not planning on doing that, you know, and it's if it doesn't happen, then there starts to be frustration. And when there's frustration, there's conflict. And we will see how that plays out. Um, he, he put himself in a really bad situation. Everybody talked about it. It wasn't a surprise. It couldn't have even been a surprise to him that he was putting himself in a really, really bad situation. Um, and, and here we are, I guess it's just, maybe he thought he was, he would be able to just ride through it, or maybe he thought he would be okay riding around in eighth place, ninth place, but, um, he's definitely not looking good. They need to make some big changes really fast because we're going to a triple crown. He can potentially succeed. Certainly. And you know, these guys are, are you very, very rarely short on confidence, especially self-confidence. Um, but as these races go on, he may start to lose even that a little bit. Next up, we are headed off to a triple crown. We're going back East Coast, even though Dallas is on Central Time. And as well as the Supercross futures roll into town. Uh, so we're going to see a ton of really interesting things coming into play in this next round, which is uh, which is Dallas Supercross, Arlington Supercross, I guess uh, they, they call it the, the city that it's actually in forever. It was Phoenix Supercross, but then of course it was at Glendale. So it was Glendale Supercross. We're going to, we're going to Phoenix. Uh, we're going to Arlington this weekend, the place where my Dallas Cowboys play in the, the, in Jerry world, as they call it, beautiful stadium. Absolutely unreal. If you're looking for more information about that particular venue, you can uh, check out the article that or the column that is released every week on Verb Moto that I've been doing. My first one was last week. The another one will come out either Thursday or Friday of this week. Really looking forward to that. Thanks for those guys giving me the opportunity. We're going to close the roof on that thing. It's going to be climate control with some of the best dirt in Supercross. You can ask uh, Alex or Corey or anybody over at uh, Dirtworks, and they will tell you their favorite dirt to play with is in Dallas uh, or Arlington Stadium. Uh, it's a concrete floor, so they go in there with a blank sheet of canvas, and they usually create something absolutely beautiful. It is a triple crown event, uh, so get ready for some bar banging and uh, a lot of excitement throughout the uh the qualifying times because the being in the top 18 is absolutely paramount. You'll see some guys absolutely sending it. Looking forward to seeing that. And uh, yeah, only one week off for the, the 250 East guys. Uh, they get a little bit of a reprieve similar to what the, uh, the 250 West guys had when Oakland got, uh, got postponed. Um, but yeah, we're, things are looking dry, dry. Things are looking prime. I'm excited about it. How about we throw things back to checkers with some, uh, with some stats and facts about Arlington Supercross. Yeah, definitely one of the one of my favorite races to visit. Nice stadium. Um, the Dallas Live thing like across the street is is super yep. always energetic and a lot of fun as well. It is a great venue to go as a spectator, huge pit area. I guess everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, so lucky for those of you guys that are gonna go to the Dallas Supercross this weekend. I unfortunately will 
not really, unfortunately, will be in Mexico riding motorcycles. So I'm hoping <laughs> to at least be able to watch it. Um, but I tell you what, I was looking back at some stats for Arlington and back in 2013 is when the uh, we moved over to the, the Cowboys Stadium in Arlington and Barsha was on a 450 there in 2013. Um, wow. Josh Hill was the only other active 450 rider in the main event. Um, but there was a 250 rider named Chris Blose on the line. <laughs> Shocker that he was there. He's old guys, I guess, but it's crazy. Barsha has been around in the 450 class competing for podiums for 10 years. Um, pretty amazing. And I guess some things never change. I was watching some videos of him smashing into guys, flipping people off, um, getting in arguments about aggressive riding all the way back then. And, and uh, Barsha followed up with a podium in 2014. And that's when Roxon, Hill, Tomac, Chisholm, Blose again. Um, Nicoletti even was actually in that 450 main. So these guys have raced in this stadium a lot. I didn't realize that they've been in the stadium that long. I guess I'm just getting old. Uh, but it is fantastic. Dirt always holds up, which is great for the Triple Crown. But they're also throwing the futures on it too, Brad. Like the track gets really, really beat through these Triple Crown races because of all the dust, all the good guys on it. Um, and then you're throwing futures on it too. Uh, do you think that it's going to get hard pack and dry? Um, it really depends on how much they're able to to get some moisture in it. Um, having the the cover, like they're having the the roof closed, I think that's a benefit. They're not going to have to deal with that nearly as much. Um, but the extra laps, honestly, I think the the biggest thing that I, I'm sort of looking for would be the um, the the futures having to deal with a really beaten up track. That's something that I, I think is going to be the basically the the most telltale. Uh, or the the sort of the thing I'm going to be biting my nails about the most is uh, that track is going to be really beaten up for those guys. So we'll see how that sort of goes for them. Uh, and the end of the 450 main events, um, I haven't looked at the track map as far as uh, specific details and obstacles that are really going to get beat down. But I can tell you this. Uh, lap times are going to get way slower by the end of the night. And uh, we may very well see a little bit of uh, attrition or just sort of battling the elements similar to what we saw this last weekend in Oakland, where great layout, awesome track, absolutely loved the the ideas and some of the rhythm lanes were incredible this last weekend. Uh, but the the deterioration of the track really sort of uh, by the end of it, you, you saw guys more surviving and just putting in laps rather than actually racing each other. Um, I don't think, I don't I hope we don't get to that this weekend in Dallas, but that might come into, uh, into play. As you said, lots of bikes on their, on the track uh, all night long and, uh, and throughout the day with, with like just more bikes and more riding sessions. Um, dirt works can only do so much. For sure. And I mean, now the other thing is, is that they have bikes on the track on Friday, which puts laps on, and then they have to try to get the moisture back in the dirt, which from what I've seen there, the dirt packs together really tight. And so the water really doesn't necessarily soak into the dirt and soften it up. It just kind of wants to run off on top and it can get slimy and slippery. What is really surprising to me is when I was looking through is that Cooper Webb has four wins here. And honestly, when I look at Cooper Webb, I usually think of him as doing well in the softer venues where the whoops break down and he's cutting down low in the corners because they start to get real rutted out and you start to move down. Um, Tomac has also been good here with three wins, but I was really, really shocked to see Webb. And then also don't forget, like he wasn't far from winning the triple crown when he went flying over the bars and off the off the dragons back onto the concrete. Uh, so look for Cooper Webb to be strong here um, as well as Eli Tomac, but also you can't count out Jason Anderson in these conditions. And we'll talk more about that later. 
Um, last year's results at Dallas, it was Tomac, Anderson, Webb, Sexton. So those were the top four guys. And I think that it wouldn't surprise anyone if they were the top four again. The 250 class, most of the guys basically have switched east to west, except we did have J-Mark out a second, actually, at um, at Arlington last year. And Jordan Smith, I believe it might have been his best race of the year, was fifth, which is also crazy because, again, I think of it getting a little bit dry and and he likes to push the front end when there's not a lot of traction. Actually, likes to push the front end no matter what. So maybe that's... I was going to say, he does not discriminate the 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 pushing of the front end. That's uh, it's a hallmark. For sure. So... Uh, moving on to the MXD360.com dash for cash sign up to win the King's gear for 12 bucks. Ladies and gentlemen, you could basically like you get to play a sweet um, fantasy game that I struggle mightily at. Um, so basically that's just an added bonus to the fact that it's, uh, uh, entrance in to win, uh, a set of the King's gear, the, like Jeremy McGrath himself, you're going to get a Troy Lee designs and he's going to, he's probably going to scribble on it and, uh, and, and have, you're going to have a brand new set of signed Jeremy McGrath gear. So I, that, that is reason enough, um, to sign up at mxd360.com. Uh, I would certainly suggest doing so. Uh, and here's some rapid fire questions, rapid fire. Um, we're going to go back and forth and, uh, yeah, like, so I'm going to ask first check question to checks who has been the silent assassin from the first two rounds of the 250 East. I couldn't believe it. I looked at the points and in the top 10 in points, we've talked about everybody every week, except Jace Owen sitting 10th in points. I haven't seen him, haven't even noticed him, haven't heard his name mentioned by anybody. Solid ride going once again for Jace Owen. He is always, always delivers and is super solid. Brad, not counting the two East-West races, does Hunter win them all? Yes, absolutely. Um, Hunter Lawrence, it's actually, it's kind of crazy to think of, but I would almost, I, I, I think an argument can be made that Hunter Lawrence has a bigger speed advantage over his closest competitions on the East Coast than Jet Lawrence does on the West. And that honestly, it might be splitting hairs because they're both head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, but if like, assuming Hunter is on his, on his game, and that's all you can assume because typically that's what you see from him. Aside from the odd crash last year, we had him at Anaheim too. He went down hard, but aside from that, he's been very consistent. I can't see him losing straight up. Hell, he was he was down by multiple seconds late in a race at uh, at Tampa and still ended up coming out with the win. I don't think he loses a race um, when it's it's just East uh, East guys racing that event. And honestly, when it's the table set for two between him and uh, him and Jet. Uh, the older brother might be able to uh, bully the younger brother. Who knows? But uh, I think it's 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 going to be it's going to be the hunter show out east. Um, we'll see if the if the triple crown thing is genetic and uh, if he has if he has any issues this weekend though. I think you're forgetting that we're going to Atlanta and Nate Thrasher is on the East Coast. <laughs> oh, that you know what he has been good there, so that might be uh, some good mojo for him. Um, checkers. Who is most improved non-factory rider in the 450 class? I have to go with Kevin Morans. I I am pretty impressed. I was really, really excited in Houston when he pulled the quad out, the LCQ. Like, I was like, dang, that dude's fired up. He's jumping that thing. A lot of guys weren't doing it. Um, believe it or not, he's beating Kyle Chisholm in points. And I don't care if Chiz has been sick and had a baby and is on a Suzuki. He's still Kyle freaking Chisholm. And Kevin Morans has upped his game once again and is a solid main event guy every single weekend at this point. 
and doing dang well as a privateer. Brad, highest finish that a Hill brother gets in 2023 Supercross. I think we might have already seen it. Didn't Justin Hill get like a 13th or a 12th? I think we had 12th or 13th uh, just a week yeah, or two ago. Yeah, I think I, I don't see either one of them getting I, – I don't – maybe a 10th? I Like, the series would have to really sort of – like, you know what? Yeah, like, late in the series with injuries or something along those lines, Justin Hill can get a top 10. Um, but that's only if there's guys who are currently finishing ahead of him who are no longer racing the series. Like, I, I don't see him, like, catching fire – or improving his fitness or testing with the bike enough that he all of a sudden is just taking down guys like Savachi and Craig and like your, your back, your outside, like your, your back half of the top 10 guys. I, I straight up don't see that. Um, if anything, I could actually see a guy like Dean Wilson progressing a little bit better throughout the year and more consistently beating uh justin and stuff like that rather than than justin moving forward so i think we've already seen it with either i think it's either a 12th or a 13th uh a couple weeks ago next question i have for you uh are you still there yeah i'm here i was i was waiting for you to find the next question oh my bad uh i was just like there's like pure (laughs) silence so i was like he's either not there or uh or he's just very patiently waiting and he's like in some sort of zen like state uh my question to you checkers by the end of 2023 who is the rookie of the year? Actually, this is a great question. I've already answered it earlier in the year, uh, but this one's now pet posed to you. Colt Nichols or Justin Cooper? They've both been fast. They both won championships uh, on the same year, um, but uh, on the 250 side of things. But uh, yeah, uh, old teammates going for the rookie of the year. Who you got? I want to say Colt Nichols, but I just I haven't seen the improvement. I'm waiting for him to get back to getting the starts that he was getting at the beginning of the year. And if he was getting those starts, then I think he learns a lot faster and then he starts staying up there, but I'm not seeing that anymore. Now he's just literally riding around in the middle in the back of the pack. Uh, So I have to say, Justin Cooper, I think that he might not do all the races, but at the races he is at, he's going to make a bigger impact and it should be enough to win the rookie of the year, unless they just simply do it off points where Nichols might get him just based on being at all the races, which I think is absolutely ridiculous that Cooper's not, but we've beat that horse completely dead. So I'm not going to go any further on that one. And, but yeah, Justin Cooper. Final question of this segment, Brad. Um, It was meant originally for Denny and we're going to take his best friend, Eli out of the mix, but we're still going to do that. Take Eli out. I think he's the favorite as the defending champion and how he is who wins the title fight. If it's just between Webb and Sexton. Um, from right there, I, you got to go with experience. Uh, Cooper Webb has managed these championships before, and I think he could possibly do it again. And with the, both of them being down by seven points, don't count either one of these guys out. Even if you don't take Eli Tomac away, there is so much racing left in this championship. 11 rounds, excuse me, with a ton of those races being like an outdoor specific style track, which as the tracks get softer, Cooper Webb gets faster and he's able to make up those little bits and pieces that on a track like, say, um, Houston, that wasn't exactly like his tough, his cup of tea. I think that those types of racetracks are right up uh, Cooper Webb's alley. I think that he poses as much, if not greater, of a threat as, uh, as Chase Sexton does. And so far, we've seen Chase Sexton been leading and toss away multiple wins so far this season. And 
that's a cause for concern. Like it, it's happened too many times, even in recent history, whether it's Anaheim one last year, Minneapolis Supercross last year, Colorado outdoors, and then two more this year. Like that's five rounds in the last calendar year that he's gone down while leading late in a race. And that's, that's like, fool me once, shame on, on you fool me twice, shame on me, because like, there's something to that. I don't know what it is, but there's something to it. And um, I, I do not see those same mistakes coming from Cooper, Cooper Webb. Another thing that I really like about Cooper Webb right now is he's got that little smirk that only Cooper Webb can have when he's sort of, he's got some things rolling. He's got the little bit of that swagger back. And uh, when, when Cooper Webb starts to get that feeling like um, his shit doesn't stink, then honestly watch out because uh, he can, he can cause some problems for guys. What are your thoughts on that one? Oh, you're so wrong. And, and the reason that you're wrong <laughs> is you look at, look at history and I'm going to throw names out there that are, that are legends Two championships for web. That's his. And I'm not, I'm not comparing him at this point to their legendary status, but you got the guys of uh, Ricky Carmichael, Ryan Villapoto, James Stewart, guys were good, et cetera, et cetera. They moved up and they crashed their brains out a lot as well. And guess what? Eventually you can figure it out. It is something that you can learn and mature and, and you cannot believe that he has. And he is absolutely the fastest guy right now. He's even faster than Tomac. And I don't think Tomac is going to step up to that level of speed at this point in his career. If he can't beat him with speed, he's going to just settle for second and hope for a chase mistake. At some point, it's going to be very similar to a Chad Reed, James Stewart battle. Ed, the only thing he could do on a lot of nights was hope that James beat himself because he couldn't beat him. And guess what? If Chase figures this out, which I think he will because he's shown throughout his entire pro career, he's only gotten better and better and better every single year and built and learned and improved that he can do it. He showed it through the nationals. He can do it. He can figure it out in Supercross. I think absolutely there's one thing that you cannot do is you cannot teach the speed that he has. And he has that advantage on these guys. He will figure it out. I am not giving up on Chase Sexton. I still have him as my title pick. Everyone can now stay tuned for my new live YouTube show with Grant McCormick, who agrees with me more than you do. Um, <laughs> moving on to the airwheelies dot uh, versus question challenge to enter only one will leave victorious. It probably will be me because most of my arguments have stats and facts and common knowledge uh, to back them. But uh, we'll entertain this anyway. Um, myself and Checkers are about to do battle on uh, some various questions that uh, are absolutely just burning up the uh, Supercross world right now. Uh, third place in the respective series. Who wins the first race? Hayden Deegan or Cameron McAdoo? Checkers, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, the way that it's worded, if you want to say race, it very well could be Hayden Deegan because it would not surprise me at all for him to win one of the races at the Triple Crown. But there's no way in heck he's putting all three of them together to beat Hunter Lawrence. Uh, I don't think that he gets it done before McAdoo. I think Cameron McAdoo, he was battling injury last weekend, but he's still solid. And he's going to be there week in and week out. All it takes is a Jet Lawrence mistake for McAdoo to get his win because he has all the pieces of the puzzle and he's going to be there every single time. I don't think that Hayden Deegan's going to be there every single time. I think in the very near future, Hayden Deegan's going to be a bad, bad dude. In fact, he already is one. 
and he's going to be a race winning contender, but he's not quite there yet. Um, like I said, I could see him squeaking a triple crown whole shot, take off with his lightning speed, somehow keep all the swaps together and pull off a, a race win, but I don't see it being a win. What do you think, Brad? Checkers, it might we might be going 88 miles per hour because the future is now. Hayden Deegan has so much more of a, I, honestly, I think he has a higher ceiling than Cameron McAdoo. Honestly, if you put them on the same track at the very same time right now, I think honestly uh, they're about even as far as uh, racecraft and just flat out speed. And Hayden Deegan is still on the upswing. He is still improving. I don't know if Cameron has completely hit his ceiling, but he's damn close. I already mentioned earlier that he's he's maybe one of the most improved guys in Supercross. I don't know how much further he can go with that, but I know that we've only just seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Hayden Deegan. I think he gets faster throughout this series. Yeah, he's a little loose sometimes. Uh, but I could totally see him winning a race. And the question was, who do you think wins a race first? I think he wins one of the uh, Triple Crown races this weekend. And that's why I'm right. So thank you for making my point for me before I could make it. But but what about a main event? And I do agree that his ceiling is much, much higher than Cameron McAdoo's. But you definitely if can't If we're talking main event, I think Cameron McAdoo could McAdoo. take it because... RJ will um he'll he'll kind of like dust off the front end and just and completely just wash that thing so that he becomes a non-factor and uh we we've seen uh, Jet Lawrence have some issues uh in a main event or two over his career so uh yeah I I would probably say that uh, after a 5 week hiatus while uh Cameron McAdoo is at uh, a full bill of health or at least damn close to it um come when we get back to is it Seattle the first race we're back We'll just go with it. We don't need facts. Yeah, on the show. I believe um, it is Seattle. Um, and I, I could certainly see him doing well there. Checkers, if you were if you were a team manager and you know what, I'm going to go on first on this, 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 this question first. But if you were a team manager, who would you sign factory team uh, manager? Anstey, Kitchen or Lopes? Well, for me, I'd have to go with what I look for in the future. And the unfortunately the future of the 250f class is not max anstey him and i think are around the same age he might be a couple of years younger than me but regardless um i'm going with the young bucks and if i have to choose between kitchen or lopes like i'll go with the kid that's already got a win under his belt uh in order to win a triple crown you have to be fast you have to be consistent and Kitchen has certainly seen it. We've only seen him in a in a uh, half dozen supercrosses. He's already got himself a win. Yeah, some other uh, ugly results in there mixed in as well. Uh, but like I said earlier, have him clean up those starts. Uh, I don't know how you're not getting starts on a star racing Yamaha, but we're not even going to talk about that right now. It's Kitchen for me, and it's not close. What are your picks, Jack? Well, I think it depends on what you want from, from a team. If you're Mitch Payton and you have an Austin Forkner on your team that you expect to go out and crush it and win a championship – but yet you're having troubles keeping motorcycles on the track, then maybe you go with a Max Anstey because he is probably the most solid ones of those guys that's going to keep a bike on the track every week for you. Um, if you're making a long-term play, then I think you got to go with Kitchen, right? Like he has the highest ceiling, but maybe you don't have the budget for him. And that's where I think Lopes is kind of the mix of both of the guys where he's he's got some consistency that he's starting to figure out as far as staying on the racetrack. He's not as bad as a lot of the other kids who race two races and crashed out. Um, but he doesn't quite have the upside speed that Kitchen has, but he also hasn't been on a factory program with the, 
you know, the club program is really good and they have a good riding facility and training program and that side of things, which I think really yep. helps them above other privateer programs. But he still isn't on the absolute best motorcycle that matches his race bike every single day. I'm quite certain that there's probably budget restraints and stuff like that where their their practice bikes aren't their full race bikes. And certain things along those lines do add up and do matter. And really it's just a confidence thing. Although maybe Lopes deals better without the pressure. Um, long answer to the question. Um, it depends what you want. I think Kitchen has the highest ceiling. But if you want a guy that's going to be on the track every single weekend, I think you go Max Anstey. Fair enough. Also I, I will expensive. I'm sure. I think there'll be a bidding war for him at the end of this year when his titles or his ride is up because who wouldn't want him right now? You know, I think that he is one of the guys that can win a championship in the next two years. And I mean, who's the other one? Hayden Deegan's coming up. Otherwise you're left with a lot of the old guys. There's really yeah. not another up and coming guy that has shown they for sure can be a title contender. Yeah, that's certainly true. We don't we don't know really know what we have with uh, De Francesco or uh, Reynolds at, for that matter. Uh, people often forget about Jet Reynolds. Um, like he's it's yet to be seen what his career will hold. Uh, but let's not forget that at one point he was extremely highly touted and uh, possibly could have uh, a really high ceiling in his own right. Uh, I don't want to completely write that kid off. He hasn't like obviously injuries have completely derailed the last two or three years of his career. Um, but if he's able to come back, uh, he's another kid that could be in the mix. Uh, next question is, uh, we'll, we'll go, go with checkers first on this one, Aaron Plessinger or, uh, Jason Anderson, is this question rest of season or just talking about, uh, Arlington, Arlington coming out this weekend, just Arlington triple crown. And okay. I started to hint at it a little bit earlier. I'm going all in on Jason Anderson on this one, simply because I'm predicting with the extra laps on the track and all the Friday riding that it's going to be a little bit of a hard pack surface. And there's no one better at getting the traction to the ground than Jason Anderson. His season's been an absolute disaster. But the fact of the matter is the dude is fast still. If the track's slick, he's going to go forward. I don't think that those conditions suit AP or the KTM really for that matter all that well either. The whoops probably won't break down. Anderson's really, really good when the whoops are slippery and edgy at keeping it pretty straight. The only one in, that I've seen in the field that is as good at that as him is maybe Eli Tomac, and that new Yamaha does look ridiculously good in them. And so for those reasons, although Aaron Plessinger is the hot hand right now, I'm going Jason Anderson. Uh, but he has to fix his starts again, too. That's something that Plessinger and Webb have figured out on their KTMs recently, and Andersons have gone away. But Anderson fixes his starts, is fired up this weekend, loves aggressive racing, loves the hype of a triple crown, and is going to put the traction to the ground to beat Aaron Plessinger. One of the things that I like about both these guys is they are absolute masters of being bilingual. And by that, I mean, each of these guys has an incredible amount of body English. They're almost like the two of them have could make an argument for uh, David Villeman reincarnated the way like if you look at pictures throughout the weekend, the guys who always have the most interesting body position, the guys who are sort of searching for traction and like elbows down over the front of the bike over the back of the bike. It's it's Jason Anderson and Aaron Plessinger. Uh, I, I actually love that Aaron Plessinger is sort of on the upswing right now. He seems to be a lot more racy than we've seen from Jason Anderson in recent history. And uh, I think he's he's sort of proving it to himself. And I think that's exactly why uh, Dallas this weekend is going to be a, a really special weekend for him. Honestly, if he's able to be consistent, I could see him on the podium easily. Wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, you're next then. 
<laughs> All right, next one up. Max Anstey versus Nate Thrasher. Brad, I'll let you take this one first, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. All right, fair enough. Anstey versus Thrasher. Uh, I'm going to go with Anstey. Honestly, I think he's this kid has had uh, he's he's so experienced, especially going into a race at the, like the Triple Crowns. He's had good starts so far. Obviously, he's got like 380 cc in the dirt bike, so that obviously helps. Um, those things are absolute fire breathers. Uh, not to say that Nate Thrasher's isn't, because the Star Racing Yamahas are fast as well, but um i'll just go with uh like the, the two podiums uh in a in a in a race where uh consistency is king that has not been something that uh, nate thrasher has ever been able to say about his professional career so far so i'm gonna go with anstey well i'm glad that you went that way so that i could tell you that you're wrong and actually mean it because guess what nate thrasher let's go back to the round one <laughs> of the 250 east guess who was super fast Nate Thrasher and sure Anstey was faster but guess what Thrasher's never been that guy in practice before went to round two yes he had a bunch of crashes went to round two that's just first round jitters then okay now I got that out of the way it was just first round jitters goes around two leads the entire race is extremely pissed off to get beat but he was good heartbroken by the way this is round number three of year number three for Nate Thrasher. He is a new person this year. He expects to be there. He proved it to himself. He should be there. It's not just a Atlanta motor speedway thing or a weirdo race at the end of the year thing. Nate Thrasher is for real. He is going to be the biggest competition for Hunter Lawrence week in and week out. Nate Thrasher will be a thorn in Hunter Lawrence's side. And because of that, he's going to take a step above Max Anstey's just consistency. Max Anstey will not be able to beat Nate Thrasher on playing out speed in a main event. You know, he might be able to do it for one lap. I think Thrasher can do it for an entire main event and continue building. Nate Thrasher beats Max Anstey at the Triple Crown. And I'm not just going to say he beats him. I think he beats him in all three main events. Ladies and gentlemen, circle your calendars for March 2nd, next week, Thursday at 8 o'clock, when I prove Chris Riesenberg wrong on that particular take. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of leave it there for now. Adam Cien Cerullo versus Christian Craig. Checkers, I'm a nice guy, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, you're so nice that you created another account in the chat called Grant McCormick, just to agree with yourself on everything I see. Um, <laughs> So I'm sure that you'll probably have it your account that won't agree with me again on this one, but it's going to be Adam Ciancerillo. Here's the deal. He's been building and building and building, trying to just log the laps, log the laps, log the laps. Well, guess what? He got bam-bammed last weekend trying to just run the laps. He's been basically pulling over for guys. Barca goes out of his way to knock him down. I guarantee that AC is pissed off, and that madness is going to get him to shut off the brain a little bit of just do the laps, just do the laps. Instincts are going to take over, and AC is going to go fast again. And guess what? Fast AC beats Christian Craig hands down in Arlington. Here we go. Adam Ciancerillo is back. He's going to be the best race of his year so far this weekend. Here's the part of the story where I flip things back around on you because I can't uh, tell you that Christian Craig is going to beat uh, Adam Ciancerillo with a straight face. In all seriousness, I haven't liked much of what I've seen from Christian Craig so far this year. And at a race where you need to be fast and consistent throughout the entire night, uh, I actually like Adam Ciancerillo's starts a whole lot better than I like anything from Christian Craig right now. So you are correct, but I also am correct. So in a lot of ways, I'm correct. 
I do want to talk about Christian Craig a little bit. I saw a really interesting uh, note today from Connor Fields, which I don't know if Connor's still working with him as his mental coach. I sure not hope sure. not because Craig looks like a mental disaster this year compared to last year when they were working together. Um, yes. And if he is working with him, he needs to reel his guy in. Um, but he pointed out that Craig has gotten better at every single race this year. His qualifying time's gotten yes. better and his finish has gotten better. And so I, I hadn't seen that. I have overlooked that, but it does go back to talking about Roxon earlier where Craig has been building. He has been making the bike better. Although I don't think the bike is to blame for the results. Um, a little bit more comfort and a little bit of mental stability for him and gradually building. Um, it does look good for Christian Craig, but like I said, I think AC and you mentioned his starts as well. It's Adam Cianciarillo because I think he's coming in to race this weekend instead of just ride the laps. Um, but moving on, we talked about it for rookie of the year, but what about just this weekend in a triple crown format, Justin Cooper versus Colt Nichols, Justin Cooper versus Colt Nichols. Honestly, these guys, uh, like these short races so often they come down to the starts and I like Cooper or Justin Cooper starts a whole lot more than I like, uh, Colt Nichols recently, even though he does have two hole shots on the year, we haven't seen that recently. And, uh, that's, that's cause for concern for me. I think Justin Cooper, uh, starts up front, stays up front. I could see him top five this weekend. Easy. I definitely have to agree with you on this one. Unfortunately, as much yeah. as I'd like to tell you that you're wrong, I made the mistake at the last triple crown of thinking Colt Nichols would do well because his starts were hot up to that point. He was whole shotting heat races He's and he made events. Sense. And I think he just scared himself because he was going backwards so fast and scared himself right out of getting starts. Or maybe it's because his gate picks are crap because he's not going fast enough. But I mean, you have to go Justin Cooper on this. He's been the better guy. And also there's one thing that Justin Cooper's proved throughout his entire career is consistency. So over a night where you have to put three races together to get a good overall, you have to go Justin Cooper on this one. So I guess we agree again. Yeah, every once in a while, the two of us both have the right idea. It happens every once in a while, and uh, I appreciate it because you know damn well if uh, the the great D Denny Stevenson, God rest his soul, not dead, but anyway, um, was Jeez, here, bro. he would be disagreeing with both of us. Um, although I can't see him flying the Nichols flag uh, on this particular one, so maybe that would be a three-way agreement. I don't even like that. I feel dirty talking about it. Um, but a uh, little bit of discussion on a couple of the topics that are, uh, are hot-button issues, especially a guy who gets a, a top 10 at the last race the kid is loose but he's also really fast talk talk to me about hardy munoz man i am extremely impressed with what munoz has been able to put together I and mean, we started talking about the beginning of the season munoz versus Cantanzaro is basically guys that are barely making the main event or at least that's where we thought that they would be you know as is borderline main event guys hardy flipping munoz top 10 are you kidding me you know the one thing that i really like about hardy munoz i've never talked to him i've watched him cartwheel his brains out over and over as we've documented but he tries extremely hard he was the kid at the amateur nationals without the factory support but absolutely murdering the factory kids by t-boning them slamming them fighting his butt off for every single inch on the track in every position the dude has heart and he goes for it and he tries hard um so I just wanted to give some hats off to Hardy Munoz on knocking out a top 10. And I mean, I hope he keeps it together and keeps going. Um, it's starting to be a really cool story and, and maybe he'll land himself on one of those factory teams, although they have a really, really hard time. It seems like looking at guys that aren't already on factory teams or coming out of the amateurs on a factory team to fill those spots, but maybe he can fill in over at a, 
you know, a Barak Suzuki type ride or something along those lines, get himself some support and he's putting himself back on the map. So hats off to Hardy Munoz. Absolutely. No, he has been really impressive uh, to have him the same conversation with uh, um, the cat right off the hop that, that maybe that was a, a poor choice on our part. But honestly, uh, we hadn't seen a lot of great things from him yet. But he's been he's been honestly as impressive as a couple of these these rookies that we're about to talk about have been so far. Leading off is you're currently third in points. Hayden Deegan, like the kid as advertised you can say all, all all the things in the world about um like what you how you feel about his vlogs or how he got his rides or whichever like you can talk about his dad all day long the re- reality is the kid goes really fast he's won heat race he's won a heat race already uh he's been pretty consistent honestly and he's fit so um yeah like can't say enough good things about Hayden. The funny thing that I talked, I, I've, I actually asked this on TikTok yesterday, or maybe it was the day before of um, asking people a, what they thought about Hayden Deegan and why, why all the hate, as well as if they thought he could win this year. And so many people, they say the reason why they don't like him is that he had so much support and so much, like he just like the, the, all of his rides were purchased or he got so much support throughout his amateur career. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe like a guy, a guy like Hardy Munoz is a good example of someone who didn't get that top tier uh, support. But I don't think there's a single kid on the line whose parents didn't like bend over completely backwards, network like crazy to allow their kids to race at the level necessary to rise to the top of the pro ranks. Like, I, I remember my racing, my amateur racing c- career and how much my dad sacrificed for me to be able to go to the races and do my thing. And that is completely pales in comparison to the the level that it takes to even just get to Loretta's and get dead last, let alone be a top 10 guy there. Um, there's not a single one of these guys that we're about to talk about whose parents and a bunch of people around them didn't invest a crazy amount of time, energy and funds to help them get to where they're at. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, everybody that, I mean, if you're even on the line at Loretta Lynch, your parents are pretty much dedicating a lot of resources. You can be upset about, I guess, the fact that the Deegans were able to invest more resources because they had more available, but everybody does the most that they can. But the one thing that they've done that was extremely smart was it wasn't financial. It was the decision to put the kid on a supercross track at a young age and that side of things is really where i see that his success is coming from because there's a lot of guys out there on great motorcycles and honestly to a detriment to them when they turn pro a lot of times i think is they had all this stuff given to them going in it was almost an advantage and they didn't face the adversity growing up and so when they turn pro and they have to have a full field of guys that are also on equal equipment they don't know how to handle it and they can't handle adversity so I don't think it's necessarily that big of an advantage on that side. The advantage is the way that they went about teaching Hayden Deegan Supercross and racecraft and exposing him to so many different things and running it like a factory program from a young age. So, um, I mean, we're seeing it now pay off. I will be very interested to see what happens in the 450 class for him, because I think that's when he's going to find the most adversity. And the one thing that I've always seen with these kids is he hasn't had to learn to lose. He's won his whole entire life. And you can continue to do that through the 250 class. The fact of the matter is you don't win a 450 title without losing at some point without ups and downs and how you bounce back is how you win that championship. 
So I have some question marks there. I have none for Hayden Deegan in the 250 class. He is exceeding expectations for me right now. Um, remember, he wasn't even necessarily going to line up for this coast. Uh, speaking of lining up, Tom Vial, thank goodness we have him over here. It's so cool. I, I love when we get the guys to come from the GPs over to the U.S. and to ride Supercross. Um, I think we're going to see a really, really good performance from Tom Vial at the Triple Crown because Triple Crown days bring the the hype and the energy. And along with that, for these rookies, the nerves and the mistakes, I think, will come out. Tom Vial, he's been a world champion before. I don't see him suffering from that as much. I think he'll be more consistent. I think Tom Vial will have a very good ride, plus he's an extremely good starter um, this weekend in Arlington. Um, what do you think on Vial and Hymas? Uh, I Well, both those guys are great starters. Uh, I expect both of them to start up front. And because of the shorter races, I expect both of them to not slide back as much as they had uh, at a couple of the rounds. Hymas mo- more than Vial. Um, but I, I really like the what I see from Vial right now. I see intensity. I, I see so like his he's get coming to Supercross very quickly and he's improving week over week. Um, he has probably the least amount of Supercross time than anybody else on here. Maybe like Josiah Natsky would be, be a, a close second. Um, but I, I love what I've seen from Vial so far. Uh, I think only only better days for him. I think he's going to uh, be a thorn in the side of guys like Nate Thrasher and uh, a lot of the other guys who are looking to be consistent podium guys. Um, especially with those good starts. And uh, when it comes to to Vial, I feel like it's almost a a situation of like ignorance is bliss. He hasn't raced any of these guys. He doesn't know to read backs of name bars or anything like that. He's not intimidated by everybody, anybody. He's just going out there doing his thing. He's a, he's a two-time world champion uh, in the sport. And he's just like, he, he, he's feeling like everyone else is reading his name bar. He's rolling in with a lot of confidence. I think he's going to be good. Same thing with Chance Hymas. I think he's got long legs um, and he's a good starter. I'm like, yeah, only a little bit more time on Supercross in the last couple of weeks. All good things from both of those guys. Yeah, I really like the approach that we received from Chance Hymas, which is really um, similar to what we've talked about with AC in the 450s, but I think it's more important in the 250 classes is just log the laps, but he's also been very competitive too. It's not like he's just out there riding around and and not going fast. Um, I like the situation that Hymas has put himself in. Um, I'm I'm thinking that this is an important weekend for Talon Hawkins. Um, He had a great opener. I think for him, that was awesome. He was in the top 10. Uh, not so good race last um, in Tampa as he was laying in the beach um, and it really, his results suffered there. So I think it, it's important for Hawkins to bounce back and at least see the front of the pack a little bit, or see the top five, at least for a little bit of one of these races, um, just to keep his confidence there. You know, you come in as an amateur, you're, you don't know where you're going to be. And so as long as you're up there, then you get some confidence going and you feel like you belong. Um, it can go away really fast and you sometimes can never get it back. So, um, and then I want to touch real quick on, um, Braswell and, and Natsuki, and then you can put your thoughts in there as, uh, yeah. Braswell, I think he actually got a little lucky with the penalty to get into the main event last weekend or, uh, last round in Tampa, he was 10th. And then there was, they docked somebody and it moved him up to ninth. I can't recall which rider that was penalized, but he didn't make the main at the opener. I think he is, as we saw at Loretta Lynn's, he was really good in the long motives when things are tough. I don't think he's a sprinter. I don't think he's a he's a speed guy. And I think short heat races are bad for him. I think the triple crown, the reason he'll do okay is he will be consistent throughout the night if he can get in the in the races. But I think it's gonna be a struggle a little bit for him to be able to just make it in the races. 
and then the last one i'm i'm impressed with josiah Natsky, really i mean i didn't even have him really on my list of rookies coming in and um, i know he doesn't have much indoor experience at all he's figuring it out and i mean at the first race in houston he was leading the lcq and he pulled off i guess he was having breathing issues or something i thought it was a bike issue but they said it was breathing issues and then um, obviously put it in the main event at tampa so uh, I think really awesome from Natsuki and the PRMX squad. Turns out the the pit board telling you to breathe is somewhat helpful. Um, hopefully he's got that sorted out. And um, the one thing I, I do like about his program is that he's been he's been half decent with the with the um, the qualifying. If he's able to get top eighteen during uh, during the daytime, he won't end up in that LCQ, and uh, that that'll basically like just define your night, whether or not you're going to be a part of the night show. And same goes for Caden uh, Braswell. I got off the phone with that guy maybe like two hours ago, and I don't know if it's um, just uh, some misplaced in like. Uh, confidence from being an amateur uh, phenom. He is a Horizon Award winner, uh, although uh, Evan Lawfridge proved to us that sometimes a Horizon uh, Award winner doesn't exactly turn out um, to be lights out as a pro. Just ask Ben Riddle about that. Um, but like honestly, I talked to him. He says he wants, he thinks he can be top five by the end of the season. And that, that sounds like a pretty lofty goal. But the fact that he even believes it has me believe that he feels like he has the speed to no doubt put it into the the main events this uh, this weekend into those races and uh, I think you're right I think consistency consistency stays off the ground uh, he can be a, a 12 11 12th place guy uh, finish out Supercross and I think he's if if Phoenix Honda ends up going racing outdoors uh, he can be a threat seriously and if they don't go racing I expect uh, a guy like Mitch Payton to call him up and that would be a great addition to that team. I hope so. I hope he gets an opportunity. I mean, um, it was it was pretty frustrating watching him leave Loretta's without a contract in hand with so many guys that he had just beaten have contracts in their hand. And um, it really kind of shows the amateur motocross. He's seen maybe a little bit broken. broken, maybe not just a little. It's a lot broken. And that is a whole nother show all by itself. I can solve Supercross starts. I can solve Supercross tracks. We're getting to solve amateur motocross, but we're not going to get into any of those right now. We can get into a little bit of the opposite side of the spectrum with the veterans. We talked about J-Mart. He was a second here a year ago. Um, We have Jordan Smith, who's the ultimate wild card. I mean, I think going into a triple crown, I think he could win a race, no problem. I just, I don't see him putting three together um, without washing the front end. I'm waiting to see Moseman finally show up and deliver. We haven't seen enough from Moseman yet this year. Um, I feel like he was coming in. I was thinking he was probably going to be maybe the biggest challenger for this championship, at least for race wins. I I didn't see the consistency part, but man, just like we saw at the beginning with Pierce Brown, he didn't deliver at the beginning of the year. So maybe Moseman will turn around. Maybe they found something with the motorcycle that'll help. Uh, Maybe he's been riding with Barsha and Brown and he's going to just start smashing everybody in corners everywhere. Um, at least it'll be entertaining for us. I mean, he, him and Hunter Lawrence do have a history um, as recent as this year, Hunter putting him on the ground. So uh, Moseman's probably looking for some revenge. And then the last one, you can't talk about veterans without the old man in the class coming out of retirement to ride a pro circuit Kawasaki. Uh, my buddy, Chris Blos, and man, I, I have to think he's going to be solid because he's always solid. It's a triple crown. He's usually a good starter. He's usually a muscle man in the first turn to put his elbows up and kind of push his way to the front and if the whoops don't break down and they get up to where you have to blitz them 
Chris Bluffs is great. If they do break down, he's really good at jumping them. He's always good in the whoops and good at being consistent through them. So I have to think that we'll see a much better Chris Bluffs. I think the triple crown format will actually suit him extremely well. Um, and I need him to get up there because I do have a bet with Denny that he will get one top five before the end of this year. So it would be great if you get it done now so that I can just gloat about it the rest of the year and don't have to be nervous about potentially being wrong to Denny. Certainly. And honestly, I could echo everything you just said about these guys. Um, speed, consistency, haven't seen it yet from uh, from Mosman. And uh, I think that this weekend could very well be uh, something that changed the tides. For Chris Blos, uh, heck, I, you know I'd love to see it. You know I'm a pro circuit guy, uh, and, and I'm a Fox guy. I'm also a Chris Blos guy. So that's three things that I like, and I hope all three of them do well this weekend. Uh, Josh Hill, he's actually been improving consider- considerably weekend after weekend. Uh, he's on um, the uh, what's it called? Team Tetter. Team Tetter. Um, Yes, he's, he's he runs different gear than his brother. He's a Fox guy, uh, but he's been consistently just getting better every single weekend, like um, putting himself in good positions, sometimes not having to deal with the LCQ. Um, he's a former winner in this class. I don't think he's going to return to main like to, to factory form by any means. I think that ship has long since sailed. Everybody that he turned pro with is either retired or damn close to it. Um, but uh, yeah, just good to see some signs of life from Josh Hill. Yeah, I mean, I just remember back a couple of weeks ago, we were talking that, you know, um, Father Time never loses. And Hill was struggling to make main events and, and wasn't making main events. And honestly, there were weeks that he wasn't even really that close to making main events. Um, in the last two weeks, he's really turned it around. Um, he's spent the main events battling with his brother, which has actually got to be just super fun for them. Um, just Big both time. to be out in Supercross, sharing a team. And I mean, they're pretty close. I'm sure they're having a great time doing it. Uh, but I did, I did hear he was struggling with the motorcycle a little bit, and it sounds like they got some parts, and he's he's happy the last couple of weeks. I have no idea what those parts are, but whatever they are, I'm glad that they're working for Josh, and maybe they want to give them to Justin so that he can get that next jump up too, because Justin hasn't improved as much as I thought he would kind of race himself back into being better, um, and he hasn't done that. He's just been kind of staying right where he's at. Uh, I thought with the time off that he had that he would gradually get better, and he has so much talent. Um, whereas Josh, he does have a lot of talent, but he's also just older at this point. I don't, I don't think that Josh should be battling with Justin Hill. I think Justin should be um, beating him by a long ways. It's not happening. And I guess it just shows that time off doesn't necessarily uh, do you that well, but no. hey, we got a new segment this week, Brad, since Denny yes. decided to bail on us, we can't debate with him. So. No, we can't, but we can chat with checks. And uh, and for that reason, uh, we have uh, our first chat with checks question, which happens to be, what would you do to fix Chase Sexton? I mean, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I think it's a lot of it's time and really just don't bring it up. And he knows what he has to do. He needs to do a similar to what I said RJ Hampshire should have done in the race. And you don't have to gap these guys and blow them away. Let them stay with you and just conserve. If they challenge you, then you sprint just enough to stay in front of them, but you don't have to sprint the entire main event and blow their doors off by 10 seconds. And if you learn to manage the race, you can do it. I, if I were him, I would sit down and listen to the Bubba's World podcast with RC and Stu and listen to how they talked about their rivalry when they raced each other because what they thought was going through the other guy's head and what was actually going through their head was very, very different things. You know, Ricky thought that, you know, James was 
just waiting and toying with him. And really, James is like, no, I was ready to break. I was on the verge of breaking, but you you messed up and vice versa would happen all the time. And maybe that'll give some perspective to Chase Sexton of, hey, you know what? These guys are probably just as on the edge as I am. And I don't have to be lightning fast to break them and learn to play the mental game. Um, maybe he needs to sit down with Ricky Carmichael and just have some talks about how to manage those situations, similar to how Ricky had to manage James Stewart. That's how I would fix Chase Sexton. How about RC this weekend with the announcer jinx uh, literally right before Chase goes off the finish line before he crashes, mentioning that he's broken Eli Tomac? Yeah, you don't break Eli Tomac. You might break him in a race too, but you're not breaking him for the season either. I mean, we saw that outdoors last year, right? We thought, oh, Chase broke him and a week later. Eli comes just swinging back. Eli's going to be there every single weekend, as will Cooper Webb. They're both going to be there. So Chase is going to have to try to be a mental giant, just like those two guys are. Fair enough. Well, uh, let's keep going with some uh, chat with checks questions. I got three more for you. Uh, You can just hang up the phone or or, uh, leave the Zoom meeting uh, whenever you feel like it's necessary to no longer keep talking to me. I know you have to to plan for a trip uh, leaving tomorrow morning. Um, but, uh, if you, and like, I, I could, I have to, I'm going to weigh in on this after you give me your answer. Uh, but if you could go for a beer with any retired factory rider, who would it be? Swap some stories. Um, I mean, I already have with Denny Stevenson. I mean, he's pretty good. He's a really good storyteller and he tells a lot of great stories. So I'm going to cheat on that one and just say, I would do it with Debo. Fair enough. Not a bad pick. I'm going to tell you why mine is Davey Millsaps. Millsaps, I feel, would be an unbelievable selection for this for the like for so many different reasons. If you took his amateur career alone, the stories would be epic. That is like the peak of amateur moto, Loretta's um going against Mike Alessi uh he raced with Ryan Villapoto like there's there's so many guys that he raced with on a regular basis Grant says Chad Reed Chad would be good and I've actually gone for beers with uh, with Chad Reed so that one I can tell you is epic um but then you talk about all the other things that went in through Davey's career I, I don't even know how much he remembers but some of it would be absolutely epic the guy turns pro the, the week of his 16th birthday on an RM125 He's racing against James Stewart in James's last year on a 125. He has a front row seat for that. He then switches over to factory Honda and is like, basically he wins the the 250 East title um, and then switches. He does the, the Jet Lawrence program from 2023 in 2006, races against Ricky Carmichael during his last full season on a 450. Unbelievable on top of that again. Incredible to watch. Uh, he's like mired by injury, basically like cast out by the majority of the media because everyone thought that he didn't train enough. Uh, although that there, there was a lot of stories about him not, there's honestly, like, it would be interesting to find out, uh, from him, from the horse's mouth, how much he did or didn't train during those years. He was at JGR during its infancy throughout that program. He bounced around for a bunch of other teams like uh, Rockstar Suzuki, Rockstar KTM, uh, uh, kind of sort of didn't ride for BTO uh, uh, KTM and then ended up parlaying that into a a Canadian championship. I believe that's 2016. 
He wins the Monster Cup on a Kawasaki, comes out, gets dropped by those guys halfway through the year, and then ends up with a head injury before racing, for not racing, with a refractory Yamaha. Uh, or I guess that would have been, yeah, so that would have been the, when Factory Yamaha came back for the very first time in 2017. For all those reasons, it's Davy Millsaps. That's a great answer. That would, that was, that was a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's a lot of them that would be a ton of fun and just to hear this, the stories and the experiences and, um, you know, all the stuff that they hide from you that you could, you could see would be, would be pretty fantastic. Yeah, like well, I, I just rattled off the things that we know about Davy Millsaps. I, I think like all the shit that I don't know about Davy Millsaps would blow my wig back. Like, I think that would just be epic. Um, last question I have for you. I'm going to give you the magic wand. We'll use a pen in this case. Uh, Supercross magic wand. You can make three changes to Supercross. What are they? Two row starts so that we can have bigger tracks. Uh, new lane. I would put big, long whoop sections in every single flipping track because I'm a firm believer that they create good racing. And if you ride Supercross, you should be able to get good at whoops. Actually, I wouldn't do it in every single track. I would do it in half the tracks because I do think there's something to be said for guys like uh, Cooper Webb, Marvin Muskan, et cetera, that they can, they can highlight their abilities on different style racetracks. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I'm a very big believer in challenging whoop sections um, and long lanes. And then the third one, I can do anything I want. Air wheelies would be mandatory on the finish line jump. Every lap. Uh, if you win, just if you win, we don't want to, we don't wear them out too much. Uh, I would, I would love to see uh, tricks, not only tricks, but like guys saluting the crowd more on final laps like I, I realize that that can go south on you but guys like carmichael Stu, obviously mc with the knack knacks that needs to come back seriously the like yeah they just like eli just sort of like throws a whip or whoever else does like whoever winning like i don't you don't even see them wave to the crowd on the triple and these guys do a super cross triple in their sleep yeah absolutely. I, i'm surprised that uh that the lawrence brothers haven't caught on to this one like everything yes. about their program is about just growing this fan base and and they do such a good job of managing it i cannot believe that they're not being told like dude you need to at least wave to the crowd throw a big whip do a knack knack something i mean um at least wave to the crowd like that's i mean gl messed it up but he <laughs> It didn't even crash on the jump. He did it on. It's like you think of like one or two times it's happened. And yeah, how many years of Supercross history? And the fact of the matter is you're going to the fan base that you'll build by saluting the crowd since nobody else is flipping doing it these days and entertaining them is going to make you way more money and sell way more motorcycles and sell way more gear than that one win that you might have thrown away. But you're not going to throw a win away. That's so rare. It is absolutely terrible that it's gone away. It's just some of the robotics part of the sport and the, some of the personality that's gone. Um, I like custom painted helmets. I miss, I understand the energy drink put in so much money into the sport, but it just, it's something of personality for the riders and we don't get to see that anymore. We get robbed of that. So um, yeah, I agree. I could go on and on about 
I went up uphill to school both ways, that type of stuff. But um, I definitely, I, I like the salute the crowd thing a ton. And I'm super, I've thought about it before. I can't believe the Lawrence brothers out of all people aren't doing it. Maybe Deegan will do it when he wins his first race. Yeah, maybe very, that very well. I, I don't know if he's going to ghost ride the bike like his old man did. I think technically that was even then uh, against the rules and possible grounds for a DQ. Um, I, honestly, though, and like the the um, like Grant threw in the comments here points for uh, heat race positions uh, would be cool. First through third, maybe. I think that would be kind of neat. Uh, although, like you could also argue that because of that. Uh, you'd have some championships that are are like the third and fourth and fifth place guys are even more removed from championship contention that much faster uh, just because you have the same guys winning uh, winning heat races a lot. But uh, I wouldn't be against it. I think that'd be uh, a cool little, little wrinkle or maybe during the uh, one of the things that I like about uh, would love to see from the triple crowns is having first through third get like three to one points uh, just to go towards the championship, not the overall, but uh, I think that'd be neat. Well, I mean, I solved that problem too already. All you do is make the last main event worth double points and it doesn't have to be actually like sure. championship points, but you do the typical point system that you would run like in an outdoor national, you make the uh-huh. last one worth double points. So then in every position starts to matter way more. And as long as you have a screen up there showing event points the whole time throughout the race, people know what's going on. There's no confusion. It makes the last race something to compete for. It's pretty simple. All they got to do is listen. And we don't need we don't need heat race points. All you have to do is give me a two row start, because guess what? I'm battling my butt off to get that fifth place spot and not carrying not right now. Guys settle for fifth and sixth. Well, I want right, a dang oh, totally. front row gate. I'm going to battle my butt off for that position. See, I solved all the problems. That's like, yeah. Brad, on to Arlington. It's going to be awesome. Triple crown. You know it's going to be full-on chaos because it is every dang time we get a triple crown. Let's get fired up. I'm fired up. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, thank you so much for making some time here on uh, the Big MX Radio um, pregame show, Arlington Triple Crown Series. Uh, everybody, go to Race Tech. Get your suspension done. Let's be honest; it needs some work. So uh, save yourself some money by mentioning Big MX Radio and uh, support um, Race Tech for no other reason than if you do, then. Chris gets to keep his job and then we get to keep doing these shows. So it all kind of circles back around to all things being good. Let's, let's keep doing that. Absolutely. Racetech.com. Love it.